Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado of Championship Vision Podcast. To all my wonderful podcast supporters, for those of you who are already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you so much. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show possible, tap the link in this episode's description or visit anchor.fm slash kevin.furtado to become a monthly supporter. I sure would appreciate your support so we can keep keep this podcast going. Thank you so much. The Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is about sharing and growing as leaders in our profession. Our guests will share, empower, and impact you as a person and a coach. We'll give you details on how you you can become a better leader in your school or community and how you can share this new knowledge with your students and players. Make sure you share this podcast and subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Director of Championship Vision Podcast and the Championship Vision website. <clears throat> Today is episode number 28, and we're going to interview Coach Dakota Webb. Coach Dakota Webb is a former All-State and Collegiate player from Missouri. He's coached high school basketball at the Class 3 and 4 levels in both Colorado and Missouri. Additionally, Dakota has been in player development for five years now and is a professional skills coach with Pure Sweat Basketball working with players, teams, and coaches, ranging from the youth and high school levels all the way to the college and professional ranks. You are really going to enjoy Dakota's knowledge of the game. He's going to give you some key insights on how you can work with not only high school players, but middle school players. What are, what are his foundational core concepts that he works, that he teaches his players every time in his workouts? He is a very dedicated basketball trainer. you got to listen to him. I think you're going to really <clears throat> get a lot out of this great podcast. Get your notepads out. Let's welcome Coach Dakota Webb. Hey, Coach. Hey, how are you? Hey, that's on me. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, I mean, you know how Wi-Fi goes sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to connect, but I, get I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate being patient. Hey, tell me a little bit. We were talking about uh, coaching and uh, why was your decision to go uh, really into the training profession? Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, do you want me to go ahead and start from the beginning there? Yeah, if and you then, could. That's great. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how much uh, uh, that I missed there. Yeah, totally. Um, so, ultimately, I decided to uh, – just train like you know I was I was going to school to teach and um, I came to the realization that you know once I was done playing um, 
I would ultimately just be teaching because I wanted to get a head coaching job. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me when I really thought about it. Um, and there's a lot that I think I would have enjoyed about teaching. You know, I think it overlaps with coaching in so many ways. And, um, you know, I worked uh, while I was pursuing my degree, I worked in some capacities like inside of schools and enjoyed it. Um, but that being said, like, I just want to be doing basketball all day. Like it's my passion. So, um, that's really what it came down to uh, in my time management. Like, I got to a point where I couldn't coach and train anymore. Like something had to go. I was getting stretched too thin. Um, and that, you know, was kind of what ultimately made me make the decision. Uh, so it was a good problem to have. But, you know, I turned down a handful of jobs for this upcoming season. And this will actually be the first full year of just training and no coach. So far, I've loved it. You know, I still get that feeling because, like, I, I I have a connection with all these athletes I work with. And we still do, like, group academies and things like that. Like, very little of my training is actually one-on-one. -on -one. I would say that's mostly my elite high school, um, college, and pro players. But most of the athletes I train, I do in a group capacity because we want to work on decision-making in, like, game situations. And it's it's easier for them to understand when we do that if we can go like all the way up to three on three or four on four eventually. Um, but yeah, ultimately that's what it came down to for me is I, I just, I really just want to be in the gym all day and I, tr I just had to be creative about it. And eventually I just jumped and, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out every day, but um, so far it's worked out and I've, I've enjoyed the decision. Yeah. And the one thing about coaching is unfortunately Dakota that, we, we get caught up in the winning aspect of coaching. And I've been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. This is the hardest thing that I have is um, I think the winning takes over, whereas it should, it right. should be more of a process and building mm -hmm. skills. But you know how the pressure of you know, coaching is. Um, and I think, I I think that's where a lot of coaches get lost. And uh, I miss – I always enjoy my off-seasons working with, you know, a couple kids in the gym working on their handles or whatever – um, so I think that's part of the game that I think is missing, uh, with a lot of high school coaches. Don't you think? Yeah, I would agree. Like it's easy to, um, like the wins are one thing, like it's always going to be hanging over your head as far as like, we're competitors at the end of the day, like we're doing it because we love to compete and we love basketball. So that's why we're here. Um, in a lot of ways, I mean, but also like, to me, it's the extra stuff. Like if I'm being completely transparent, you know, not only do I not have to teach, but coach. Hey, Dakota, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes, you know, it just gets crazy. Sometimes it could be more on my end too. Okay. Um, but I did, uh, I did that just in case. Like I was, I was in the car, so my daughter would hopefully not pop up on the feedback. But <laughs> now I'm in a in a room. Hopefully she still won't. <laughs> Not a problem at all. And I'll, I'll kind of go back and see and if there's anything that, um, that I miss, I might just give you a call back, you know, maybe another day or two and just, um, just try to try to get some more information on that. Hey, this is the fun part, man, of, of technology, right? Oh yeah. Did you uh, want to re-answer that last one? Did you want to re-ask it so you can clip it in or? I, I think I got it. Uh, and you were, um, uh, you were, you were finished with, a lot of the extra duties of teaching, which I know, I know all yeah. about. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> go ahead, continue on with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, other than just, you know, wanting to do basketball full time and because I love it that much, it's all I wanted to focus on. Um, I think, you know, if we're being transparent, you know, whenever you head coach, there's a lot of administrative things that you have to deal with that I did not necessarily love, um, even as an assistant coach. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, you've got the, the cloud of wins hanging over you, like you, you're competing. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to get distracted and lose that purity of building relationships and helping players develop. But also, like, I think it's easier when you're on a staff to to have those other things kind of suck the joy out of it at times. Um, and I still have administrative things. Like I'm running a business at the end of the day or I have to schedule, you know, hundreds of athletes for workouts each week. So there's still plenty of the busy work, but at that, like that being said, it's all on my terms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I agree. And I, um, like I said, I think it's good. You, you pretty much, you have complete ownership of your, your system and your training and all that. And mm -hmm. you will succeed or I guess succeed or fail based on what you do. And you have tremendous work ethic. So I, I'm assuming you're going to, you're going to be a, be a great trainer. Um, tell me about your core principles. I know you're part of the pure sweat basketball and that's a lot of people are, um, are not really familiar with it, but, but I know your top basketball coaches are very familiar with the, the pure sweat. Uh, brand tell us a little bit about that yeah um you know it's great because you know with pure sweat we have our kind of our family principles all of us pure sweat coaches um but then at the same time we all have our unique backgrounds or our unique um, markets that we're operating in and kind of doing our own thing um, i think a lot of what it all circles back to um and kind of the the reason that i'm in it as well is we have a responsibility at the end of the day. And to me, you know, as, as the internet's progressed and um, social media and basketball training as an industry and like player development, whatever you want to call it, um, there's, as with any industry, there's, there's a lot of negatives. And I just think if, if we have a background in actual coaching or understanding the pain points of coaching and like what helps programs and helps players, if we have that understanding and we also have the ability to teach or um, have the the time in our schedule to be able to do training and there's people that want to get in our gym it's a responsibility to me to do that the right way right so a lot of those core principles kind of fall back to that in my opinion is just making sure like for me if it was just two things everybody that comes in my gym I want to help them get better like game skills, game results is big for us. Like I want to help them get better at things they're actually going to use in games. Um, and I want them to enjoy the process of doing that. You know, not everybody I train is going to end up playing overseas or even playing college ball. Um, but at the end of the day, like so many before me that, you know, taught me a lot about being a man that I use um, even now as a father and a husband through basketball, you know, that is kind of why I also care about the enjoyment part, you know, because I, I want them to get better and enjoy the process of getting better because my goal is while they're getting better, we're teaching them something, you know, and, and the more they enjoy that, the more it's going to hit home, I think. So, you know, building those relationships, doing that. Um, but then I, I would think like from a, like that's all kind of intangible. If I'm talking tangible skill set, 
uh, whenever we talk about adding something to a player's game, uh, you know, I, I really think the three C's is one I always fall back on. You know, we want to be consistent um, so they can be comfortable and confident after that. Um, and that's that's where you're going to see those game skills actually translate to game results. Um, you know, some of the best players I work with, um, we do some of the most boring work in some people's eyes. And that looks like, you know, it might not be boring necessarily in the term of the actual skill, um, you know, because I'm, I'm talking about some elite players now and we're working on some advanced things. But they'll work on the same stuff, you know, a small handful of two or three things for three, four or five months at a time. And that's what it takes to add stuff to a game. So, you know, that consistency is um, going into comfort and confidence. That's a big thing for us. Um, and, you know, game skills, game results. I touched on that, the unseen hours. Um, there's a whole lot of things that ultimately come back to, you know, our responsibility to do things the right way and um, make sure it's translating so people are actually getting results. Yes. And uh, you mentioned a lot of kids. Well, first of all, I love what you mentioned about fun because sometimes as coaches, we take the fun out of it, don't we? And um, (laughs) it's a grind, you know, it's like, ah, you know, and um, kids nowadays, especially, don't you find out they have to, they have so many options. They have to enjoy it or or, or they'll quit. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, getting that buy-in is, is, more and more challenging, I think. Um, but that being said, you know, we have to adapt. Like, if we if we truly care about these kids and we have to coach the kids that we have, and, you know, we can, we can talk all day long about what makes these kids more difficult to train than the kids before them, but that doesn't really matter. Um, at the end of the day, we've got to find a way to connect with them and to give them those results that they're seeking. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, comes back to the responsibility as well. It's just, you know, making sure that we don't dwell on those things that we can't control. We just take the things that we can do and try to do them really well. You know, a big adjustment for me, because we're always trying to get better. Um, and I think this would go for my core values um, with training. You know, we, we talk a lot about game skills, game results, and having things translate to actual game scenarios. But, like, what does that actually look like? And so for me – you know, I've, I've just gotten to a point. The other reason I do mostly academy work with, like, groups is you're going to have somebody guarding you every rep that you're in the gym with me. All 90 minutes, somebody's going to be guarding you. Um, you're going to make a ton of mistakes, and you're going to have to learn how to train through those mistakes because every single basketball game you play is going to be messy. You know, every day in life is going to have a little bit of messiness to it. We've got to figure out how to operate within that. And – how to make those decisions on the fly. And then whenever we make the wrong decision, how to deal with it and move on. And so that's a lot of what my workouts have turned into is, you know, whereas years ago when I first started, which sounds funny because I I still think I'm young, (laughs) but (laughs) when I first started training and I was just done playing, you know, I was doing the tennis ball crap and the stationary ball handling and stuff. And I say, I say that, um, lightheartedly, like, I, I do think there is value in everything, um, but I've just come to understand that having somebody guard you is going to make you a much better ball handler than you being by yourself. Now, if you're by yourself at home, I think there's a lot of great things you can do that are better than watching an episode of Rick and Morty. But 
um, if, if you're in the gym with me and I can put somebody on you, then that's what we're going to do. So you know, one of my core things lately has just been that messiness, that decision-making aspect. Um, that's what really is going to translate to what their coach needs them to do, you know, because at the end of the day, they need five, five basic skill sets um, that they need to be training when they're in the gym with us. You know, they, they need to be able to defend their position, which I don't think enough player development talks about or works on. And so when they're always guarding each other for the defense, it's not a wasted rep. Like they're going to get better defensively. Um, we're going to work on things defensively that are going to help them. Hopefully um, they need to be able to handle pressure. You know, that's not just ball handling. That's contested passing, contested, um, you know, bringing it up the court, what have you. Um, it's not a specific handling pressure, you know, and then they've got to be able to make contested finishes. They've got to be able to hit game shots, which a lot of that, is you know knowing where to go or how to play without the ball how to play in space um and then they've got to be able to make quick decisions within all of that so for me like going wrapping that all up in a bow and kind of going back to what you asked me like what our core values are like that's what it all circles back to yeah i love those and i and i'm a big uh chris oliver and I, i'm sure you've heard of him with basketball oh, yeah. and, um and you say you sound you, a lot of a lot of your principles sound very similar. He he believes that the one on one has to be taught every day, and that's something that I have integrated into every practice. Uh, and you said it is messy, isn't it? Um, oh yeah. No <laughs> I think it yeah. takes more coaching, though. I I think it challenges you. Like you have to coach even better. Honestly, it it sounds lazy when you look at it on paper, and it's like oh they're just playing like. But honestly, like you have to coach so much harder and I love it. Yeah, it's just and again, it, and I, I, I spoke to another coach and a trainer today, Mike Cleansing um, in Ohio. We were talking about teaching, you know, like the team concepts of five on zero. Um, I don't do that anymore. When I'm teaching, I go five on five and we do like, a, yeah. you know, so they can kind of learn the proper spacing. And I guess that's the same thing you're talking about. Um, you know, make, make it more, more, I guess, more, um, more game ready. Exactly. Yeah. And you can put them like, you can be creative and put them in parameters to get what you're wanting to see right. or, or have them play out of a specific situation. Um, but you know, we work on things that, you know, I, I work a lot like lately on finishing. If I was to use that as an example, helping kids be early finishers. Um, a lot of kids finish too late. And just helping them get a clean early pickup, you know, instead of trying to dribble under hands, we're getting it, you know, two hands off the floor, things like that. But it's easy to put them in a situation to make them work on that and then tell them, okay, now it's, it's live in this situation, you know, um, like that's, that's not difficult. You just got, got to be a little creative. Yes. I love those. I love those concepts. Tell me about uh, in my situation, I have, I'm a, I, I uh, teach and coach at a small school. It's a, a charter school here in Greensboro, Georgia. Um, all my athletes, middle school and they all play about they all play three sports. So I, I the off season is very it's very difficult to get them to train in the off season, even though we have summer camps. Tell me about an in practice to help my middle school and varsity out. What would you recommend for skill development? to to maximize skill development for this type of program okay yeah um basically you know i would i would um 
do a lot of the same that I do in my academies, just with more people. Honestly, um, I think because you know we care so much about reps being defended, you know that's an opportunity. If you have even just one other person on your staff, um, you know if you're a small school and you just got a couple coaches, or for the bigger schools that have a lot of coaches. Um, you know, have some of your staff working on like talking to the kids during their defensive rep and some of the staff talking to kids during their offensive rep. Um, and then you can do that all practice long and make some match. I love, you know, going back to Chris Oliver, like he talks about, he starts most of his practices five on five and then he'll go, you know, backwards. He'll go, you know, from five on five to then they'll do breakdown stuff and slowly build it back up to five on five at the end of practice. You know, I love that. Um, to me, at the end of the day, like regardless of what your system is, what your philosophies are, um, most I, I won't throw an arbitrary number because I don't know a percentage, but the far majority of programs don't get enough shots up in practice. Right. Um, and shoot, like you have to get reps. Like you just can't cheat it. Like you have to get reps. Um, Drew talks about, you know, there were some NBA teams a few years ago that commissioned him to um, go watch a top college player and practice. And I won't say the program, but it's a high D1 program that, you know, has Final Four success and has some players that have come out of there and um, really, really good head coach. Um, he's not there anymore, but um, you could probably put that puzzle together if you really thought about it. <laughs> but anyway, um, a defensive-oriented team. But, like, that being said, in a two-hour practice, the, the kid he was um, charting, you know, makes and misses for and writing notes for, uh, only shot the ball about 70-something times, mm -hmm. if I remember correct. Right. And that's probably not atypical. Like, I would think that's actually far closer to the norm than most of us would want to admit. So, for me, um, I, like, a lot of coaches have asked me the same question. And some of them have pulled the trigger. Some of them haven't. And I think the ones that have pulled the trigger have all gotten back to me at one point or another and said, you know, yes, we're shooting the ball way more in practice. It's translating to games. We're hitting more shots. It hasn't hurt our defense. Um, we just had to be creative. And I think that's where a lot of guys, like, we get kind of scared because, like, shoot, like, we need to – you get you got to put a team together. Like, I understand. I'm, I'm empathetic to it. Like, you have a program. You got to – put your defensive systems together you got to have your offensive stuff like ready to go um but i just think breakdown drills are big for me um so like finding one-on-one two-on-two three-on-three three-on-two drills that you can get you know, like one or two shots out of that force like a defensive rotation of some sort so it's like whether so like driving kick shooting um let's let's use that as an example okay most offenses regardless to of what you run somebody's going to drive eventually so it all kind of breaks down to drive and kick anyway um say a kid has the ball in the slot and he's driving across the midline um trying to attack the basket and the defender in the next gap over has to pinch over okay and then you have a natural pitch to whoever that guy's guarding that lifts up on the wing you know that defender has to work on helping recover footwork to pinch the gap um, the shooter is getting shots up. The guy that's handling the ball is getting a contested pass out of that rep where they have to drive and kick accurately um, with a natural pitch. Then you can easily have them relocate to the corner and have a coach hit them for a second shot. 
Um, things like that to me fascinate me, like ways that we can break down one or two actions and isolate it for a few minutes at a time to where they get a ton of specific reps and then move on to a different action. And then at the end of practice, you put it all back together whenever you do your shell or your five on five anyway. Yeah. And and give me a number Dakota. Um, I always, I guess it's, it's been my own theory. I try to get my kids a hundred shots. Now we do a lot on the shoot away, but the problem with the shoot away is trying to add contested shots. Tell me a little bit about goal and do you want every single one of those shots contested? Um, that's a great question. My goal, I mean, it really depends on how long your practice is. And um, I, I get that practices in January vary from practices in the, you know, in October and things like that. Um, I honestly think you should be aiming for a couple hundred. I, I don't think that's um, that's too much to ask um, for a team because you can have – you can have 15 minutes of just straight shooting drills, right? And then the rest of your the rest of your stuff, you just try to do what I was saying and try to mix in shots however you can, um, you know, to where at least a couple kids are getting shots up at the end of the rep. But you know, we do uh, we do a lot of contested shots. I won't say that every shot needs to be contested, um, but you know, I think you know, a, a fair amount of them should be. So, you know, maybe a third or half because um, uncontested reps are still fine. I, I don't like isolated standing still uncontested reps. Like if somebody doesn't have a hand in their face or isn't closing out on them, I feel like they should at least be moving before they catch the ball um, just to kind of like make each rep a little bit different and a little more challenging, a little more game-like. Um, but I do a lot of stuff for our contested reps. Like I do a lot of stuff where – um, you could have two groups at each basket. I mean, if you have six baskets, like that adds up quick. Like you probably don't even need two groups at each basket at that point. Right. But you could have a group, a three. Like there's there's a three man two ball shoot stuff that I think a lot of coaches are familiar with. Sure. You can like tweak, you can tweak those to be isolated contested reps, um, to where there's always a hand in their face, things like that. Um, to me, I think at the end of the day, like. I, I can I can never presume to tell a coach how to run their team because I'm not in the gym with them. Um, but I honestly think, you know, do the best with what you have and get as many shots as you can. If that's 100, that's great. You know, it's better than 50. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we can all just do the best with what we have. Um, but I just think we also have to have realistic expectations. If you're getting less shots up than other teams in your conference, then – chances are you'll be a, a worse shooting team. Um, and I just think that's something we just have to come to grips with. Yeah. And that, that's always, that, that's always a challenge for, for my practices. Cause I, I consider myself more of a defensive oriented coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's always the challenge. And I appreciate that, that input. Cause even though I've been coaching a long time, I'm always trying to to grow and try to get better. I'm going to add that into my practice plan. 200 shots, man. That's going to be a tough That's goal. A lot of shots. Um, Here's my thing. Even if you don't hit it, though, you're going to get more than 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's good. Don't, I mean, but another thing, Dakota, is I don't think coaches share with each other during the season a lot. And this, that's why I actually did. I'm doing this podcast. I'm actually interviewing people during the season. They, they kind of sharpen, kind of sharpen the axe a little bit. Uh, tell me about that. This kind of a little off the cuff thing there. 
you think yeah. coaches try to get better during the season because we, we get so caught up in our own team? Um, yeah, I think it's easy. Like, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's easy to kind of get tunnel vision and um, focus on what you what you are doing or have done. Um, and, you know, off season is traditionally where you kind of like go to coaches clinics or talk to other coaches or what have you. Um, I think during the season, you know, I've known some great coaches and they all seem to do what you're alluding to. You know, I think, I think the best coaches are there for a reason. Um, you know, it sounds like, like you're a wise guy, like you seek growth at every turn, you know, and if you can always seek growth, then you're going to grow in one way or another. And, um, I know like some of the best coaches I've known, um, you know, you got to scout teams during the season anyway. So they'll stay, they'll stay in touch with whoever they have relationships with and just kind of like pick their brains um, to scout teams. But also they'll take that time to, Hey, you know, while I've got you, you know, what's going well, um, what have you guys been doing differently? Or um, have you ever come across this something I'm struggling with, with our guys? Um, You know, I think, I think that takes a lot of, first it takes a lot of awareness you know, because like you said, we can get that tunnel vision. And we, like, I'll be honest, there have been times where I got to the end of a season and I realized that I had just kind of been like a hermit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, shoot, man, like I got to pay attention to like not just our locker room, like see the bigger picture. And, uh, you know, I think whenever you can do that, um, like it's great because like you never know what's going to happen in February. You know what I mean? Like, like you're going to get some random curveball inevitably and like are you going to have something in your in your toolkit for that and it's not a specific set or an ato uh whatever it's not a it's not a drill or a magic fix that you can throw into practice but you know i think the more you know like what other coaches do and like what makes us all unique and different the more you can kind of like blend that into what you do well you know yeah, just adding to your toolbox a little bit, and uh, exactly. Um, but that being said, it's so easy to add too much, though. You right. know, like there's that fine line because you can't do everything. Yeah. Um, but that, I think that's where awareness comes into play. Yeah, self awareness, man. That's a good point. Hey, tell me about because I, I know you're a busy guy, and um, and I know it's late night, but tell me about some of the, the three top and and Drew calls it the micro skills. Tell me about three micro skills, some emphasis that if you are working with a player, uh, what are some some key micro skills that every player needs to have in their toolbox? Okay, um, that's a, that's a great question. I think um, one thing that I, I talk about in just about every workout these days with every skill level is. Um, that quick decision on a catch before the ball even hits your hands, reading a closeout, and we've tried to break everything down to binary reads. Um, so the binary read I give kids on the catch is can I shoot, yes or no? Because um, I actually don't think catch like catching shot ready is always the correct decision. Um, if you're going to drive, catching shot ready is going to slow down that drive, um, that rip to the basket. So one of the micro skills I work – with everybody on right now is split steps um, and just understanding, can I shoot? Yes or no. For some kids that's no before it ever hits their hands. So you know, which kids those are on your roster. 
Um, they need to know who they are too, because we all need to know our role. Um, and for some of us, it's no already. <laughs> but can I shoot? Yes or no. Um, if the answer is yes, then by all means, catch shot ready, let it fly. Um, if the answer is no, then you know we work on splitting our feet, um, just getting our stance a little wider, dropping our hips, and um, ripping the basketball. Um, which is kind of for the for the better players. I start going into can I rip? Yes or no. And if the answer to that is no, then in their split step, it's a lot easier to make that extra pass. And so we do a ton of breakdowns daily with our shooting drills where it's shot, driver, extra pass, and that decision just gets trained all the time. Um, to me, they need that more than they need a step back or a same foot stop or, uh, you know, what have you. Everybody has to catch the basketball. Everybody has to make a decision when they catch the basketball. And I think if they can make that in 0.5 to 1.5 seconds, their coach is probably going to find some time for them as long as they're not just a traffic cone on defense. Um, so like split steps, I think is a big micro skill. We talk a lot about these days. Um, and then on the first step, so whether it's off a split step or off a live ball move, um, whenever we work on contested finishing, um, I usually break it down into bump one, bump two. And, you know, the very first step, we try to do a cross step as much as humanly possible so if it's in my right hand try to attack with my left foot and get downhill pushing off that um, and making sure that first dribble that first cross step i'm getting into contact immediately right. you know i think a lot of players try to avoid it um, and if we can get them attacking on a straight line to the rim or as tight of a line as possible and initiating contact um, and getting comfortable with that then a lot of good things happen after that um, and then bump two usually happens second dribble. Um, and there have been a lot of players that, you know, they're long enough or athletic enough, they want to just always get to the rim in one dribble. But, you know, they can end up getting knocked off balance um, in that footwork. And so we add a second dribble to a lot of them where they have to bump um, into the defender again and keep their straight line to the basket and then possess the ball, you know, those early pickups I was talking about. Um, that, you know, if I was to tie all that into a bow, like contested finishing to me is just huge. There's so many micro skills that go into that. I just named off three right there. So I already kind of went over my limit. Um, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but uh, um, between those, those and split steps for me are the biggest ones. Um, and then the other micro skill we pay a ton of attention to is uh, sticking your landing and just like what that looks like on your jump shot. Yeah. And those are all, I I'm writing those down. Um, I love the bump one, bump two concept. Uh, we, we talk about um, attacking the defender, obviously attacking the hip. Um, we do, um, um, you know, we really try to get our kids very low off that first step. Um, right. And uh, but that for, for middle school and high school, that's been the toughest thing to teach girls because girls really avoid contact. Don't you think? Uh, I do. I, I, I don't yeah. know how many girls you teach. But I, I, I've been coaching girls forever, and the contact is, particularly at the rim, don't you think, Dakota, is finishing is the hardest thing for girls? Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, you know, some of the best players I work with are girls. You know, shout out Hannah Cook, who is Alabama's best player the last few years and is an overseas pro now, and Alexa Willard, who um, could very well be the Missouri Valley Player of the Year this year. Um been all conference the last two years as a freshman and sophomore for Missouri state. You know, I, I work out some girls that are pretty, pretty salty. And 
um, I think that's what separates them is they, they understand that they need to play through contact. Um, and for me, like, that's kind of why, like, so to me, like that statement, um, you know, a lot of girls struggle with playing physical or finishing through contact, however you want to state it to me, like I would, I would call that like a problem. And then like, we always just try to reverse engineer it, you know? So that bump one bump two is like one of those ways of trying to fix that problem is instead of telling them be more physical, it's me telling them, okay, if you're driving with your right hand, your first step needs to be left foot. They're going to more often than not, if they do that, they're going to hit the defense on accident. <laughs> and then if we can get them doing it on purpose, they can get really good at it. Um, and so like little things like that are just kind of helping them be more physical. I think the early pickups is another thing. Um, whenever they possess the ball and they're like in the restricted area or in two feet in the paint, you know, it's already late enough that it's going to be hard for them to initiate contact. But if we can get them to initiate contact and then possess it early, it's easy for them to get into a stride stop or pro hop or what have you and, you know, bump them again and play physical. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot of that's just comfort, you know, which as we talked about earlier, comes from cons- consistency. Yeah. And I'm hoping, uh, can you send me, I know John sent me some videos do you have any videos um, you can send? I, lo- I love to promote those, and I've also I want to add those into my program. How can um, how can we get some um, some video of that? Those those concepts. Yeah, um, you know I'm wor- I'm working on. I finally have somebody in the gym help me more often with recording stuff. You know, kind of um, been slacking on that, but basketball has been the focus. Um, I can definitely send you that easily. I mean, my handle. If anybody wants to, I, I try to put stuff out at Coach Dakota Webb um, on on any social media, but uh, I'll definitely like. There's no secrets in my gym, you know. I have open workouts, and if anybody wants a video, whether it's you or somebody listening, like I'm always happy happy to shoot one and send it to you. So I can actually uh, record one here in the next day or two and and get you an in depth one if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great, Coach. And also, I got a couple players I, I would love to. Send just I know you're a busy man and so forth, but I have a couple players um, that I want you to take a look at. Just just a few clips, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, they they're they're college material. At what level I don't know. They we're still working on again those micro skills, and uh, but yeah. they're um, I love to have you take a look at because uh, I know John's taking a look at a, a player of mine too. Uh, he I sent him some game tape, but I'd really appreciate it if you can do that for me. I am always happy to do that. Like, that's no trouble whatsoever. I will make time. Hey, Dakota, tell me about um, – give me some parting advice for, for teachers out there or coaches that are, are struggling on skill development and trying to get their players better. What you've, you've already said it, but what parting advice can you give us coaches out there that can really help us on developing more skilled players? Because I think that's the most important thing we can do uh, the tangible thing we can do with them. Yeah. Um, I think just continuing to be creative and try to collapse time frames. Um, you can develop skills every single second of your practice. Um, it just depends on what skills you're trying to develop. So if you want to develop people that are really good at standing in line or waiting on the <laughs> sideline, um, you can, you can do that. <laughs> or if you want to have a, an active fast break pace practice that, um, they're always, you know, maximizing their reps. You know, you can do that as well. 
I think keeping it simple, um, you know, it's funny because there's so many in my line of work that um, as with any line of work, we have bad seeds and they've made things harder than it needs to be. Um, Like I said, I'll reiterate it. They need five things. They need to be able to defend their position. They need to be able to handle pressure. They've got to be able to make contested finishes um, to play with space and hit game shots and to make quick decisions within all of those. Um, And to me, like if you can just challenge yourself to go through your practice plan, um, look at everything that you're doing and see like how many of those five things are you working on in each specific drill and do as best you can to at least get two or three of them in. And I think if you're doing that across the whole practice, you're going to do pretty dang solid um, developing skills. Um, And if you have somebody guarding, you know, those players throughout the process, those skills are just going to translate that much more. Yeah, that's great advice. And of course I'm writing those down and um, I know the coaches out there are going to be trying to heed that advice as well. And how can, if somebody wanted to contact you, uh, Dakota, how can they do that? And I know, um, you know, you're on social media and so forth. What's the best way to contact you? Yeah, my social media, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those are at Coach Dakota Webb, um, and that's D-A-K-O-T-A-W-E-B-B, um, at Coach Dakota Webb for all of those. And then my email address is dweb at puresweatbasketball.com. Um, and like I said, nothing's a secret. You know, I'm open to uh, any and all questions, and I'm always happy to share. Dakota, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. I know I learned a lot, and our listeners did as well. Thank you for sharing with us and uh, growing the game. I appreciate it, Dakota. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Coach. I'm looking forward uh, to hearing from others and, and trying to learn more from them than they learned from me. Thank you, Dakota. I appreciate it, man. Have a great evening. You All right, thank well. you. Five players on the floor function as one single unit. Team, 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 right? No one more important than the other. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado of Championship Vision Podcast. To all my wonderful podcast supporters, for those of you who are already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you so much. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show possible, Tap the link in this episode's description or visit anchor.fm slash kevin.furtado to become a monthly supporter. I sure would appreciate your support so we can keep, keep this podcast going. Thank you so much.